Oh, hi, audience. This is the Room Spoilers. <laughs> this is Spoilers. Oh, hey, Pappy. Oh, hey, Brett. And hey, audience. And hey, Mikey. And hey, Josh. And hey, Stevie. And welcome to the biggest mistake of my life, picking the room for this podcast. Uh we got almost a full boat tonight. We're missing Jordan. Um, but let's go ahead and introduce the guys. Uh, tell us who you are, where you're recording from. Um, I'm recording from Louisville, Colorado, by the way. Not Denver anymore. I moved in with my future wife. Um, but you guys tell us who you are, <laughs> where you're recording from, and what was your favorite in-theater experience as this has kind of become a, a cult hit. Let's start off with Stevie, who I won the pl- privilege of hosting from off the Vision Quest episode. Stevie, how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's just like, what do you mean by like favorite theater experience? Like the movie itself or like audience members around me? It is as open as a yes or no answer on a movie. Well, okay, I'll say this. Mad Max is probably the best movie I've ever seen in theaters. But I'll go with an awkward story. I went and saw the new Beauty and the Beast opening weekend. <laughs> when it first came out, and I went by myself. Big mistake, because it was nothing but mothers and daughters and small children. And this mom kept staring at me the entire movie, like I was the worst human being in the world. So there I think you we go. We talked about that on that podcast. That it was it was very... so awkward. I wanted to like walk out in the first five minutes. It was bad. Did you go like in the like a ten a.m. showing on a Saturday? One thirty showing on a Sunday. Big mistake. Yeah, that's primetime kids time. Church crowd, man. Church crowd. Let's go to a, a very churchly man, the man who provides us with the Christ-like figure of every episode. Josh, where are you recording from, and what was your favorite in-theater movie experience? I would never hit her. Oh, hi, Pat. <laughs> oh, I was going to do that. I was going to do that. Yikes. <laughs> this is Josh from Elkhart. Uh, Goshen area, I guess. Uh, man, like typical Brett fashion, I have like three. Uh, That's you! I I just want to give an honorable shout out to Quiet Place. Uh, I saw that alone, not many people in the theater. That's a pretty cool movie experience. Um, but I will say most classic is maybe I went to see Jurassic Park in theater with my dad and during the scene where they're like on the ride and they're showing like the eggs and stuff, the film projector actually like burnt out and it was just kind of surreal. Cause it was like at a weird meta time in the movie where you're like watching in a movie within a movie. So <laughs> I don't know. It was just really memorable. Then we got to come back for free and watch more Jurassic Park for free. And I freaking love that movie. Great answer. A quiet place, former spoilers movie. I remember the first movie my projector burnt out. It was Muppet Treasure Island. I was <sighs> a wee lad. I remember being stunned. I, like, I didn't even know that could possibly happen. I was like, wait a second. Th- th- these things aren't infallible? They can break? How fragile <laughs> is our world that we live in? Very much an existential crisis. Uh, you've heard his voice a lot already. Brett uh, from Fort Wayne. What is your favorite in-theater movie experience? Oh, man. Um, I'd probably say either the latest two Avengers movies or maybe Thor Ragnarok. Like, that was a really rowdy crowd. It was really funny, and everyone was just really into it. So, I don't know. I thought you were saying Kong before the podcast. Con? Congo? No, I said Congo. Oh. I thought you said Micho Black. 
I was just joking about Congo. I thought you said Khan. I'm like, I'm not that old. I wasn't alive when Star Trek 2 came out, probably. <laughs> you never know. You're like Tommy Wiseau, Brett. No one's exactly <laughs> sure how old you really are. I'm 35. And last but not least, the man who's not quite yet 35, uh, Money Mikey Tor, fresh Couple off weeks. Crawl. What was your favorite time in a movie theater? I would say my favorite slash most memorable time would probably be Superbad. I think I said this on that pod too, <laughs> but it was just so crazy loud with laughter that you couldn't even hear the next joke. And I don't think <clears> I've <throat> ever experienced anything quite like that before or since. Pretty pretty crazy movie to see with a full crowd. That's awesome. Uh, I didn't share mine. Uh, I, I went to a midnight showing of... Uh, uh, the Shining with my sister in uh, Minneapolis when I lived there. And uh, she was super scared beforehand, but like the crowd was super rowdy and like laughing and all the the early stuff in the movie. And, and it, it was just a great time. I'll, I'll never forget that. But I've never had the privilege of seeing the room in theaters. I had saw it, seen it before this podcast. Um, and like I mentioned at the top, I really regret choosing this. I fell into a deep, deep room hole of, of lore, but, but Stevie, uh, I know that you've seen the disaster artist. What? Let's let's set the stage here first, because in 2017, that really had this huge resurgence for the film, The Room. Like, what do you remember about that, and kind of like the production at a high level of this movie? So, like, <laughs> the production level of this movie is so bad. But like, getting into like the disaster artist, which is pretty much like. I guess say a movie about the making of this film. Um, it's almost like a, this movie never should have happened. Can you agree with that, Pap? Like of how insane it truly is. The fidelity of the disaster artist is disputed, but there are a lot of like key stories from that film, which are just so insane. And then you find out that they're real. It's like, oh, I guess that kind of makes sense. Why this film's so batshit crazy? Well, the reason they made the film is because they were, at least according to the movie they were striking out and they weren't getting any acting roles, which as we know, they're not very good actors, but well, actually Denny is Tommy Visao makes everyone look <laughs> so much better than they really are. Cause he's so bad. Chris R acting. is one of the best actors I've ever seen. <laughs> given the circumstances. <laughs> Would it be expensive to shoot a movie in 35 and HD? If you're like doing it yourself or that's what I'm reading on. The you thing. have to run, run two crews. So, yeah, it's expensive. It'd be ridiculously expensive. Josh, you know a little bit about film editing and filming. Is that a practice that's commonly done to hook two cameras to one rig of different types? Uh, Yeah, you know, like when the movie 300 came out, they did that <laughs> at different focal lengths so that they could do some good CGI and like push way oh, into like the characters. Yeah, the zoom in to like the yeah, cat getting that's a really stabbed. Cool, yeah. yeah, that's cool. So there's precedent for multiple lenses. Probably different budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a little this, different. This movie had $6 million. Oh, and Pappy and I were talking about that earlier. Like, it's really hard to tell where that went. <laughs> yeah. Not Six the soundtrack. Million dollars. And Stevie, we talked about this a little bit too. Just sorry to go back to you, but like, there seems to be some kind of nefarious conspiracy theory with the two executive producers that are listed, Chloe Litsky and Drew. Cat Chaffee. Uh, speaking of the disaster artist, there's a great podcast. How did this get made? My favorite hosts, podcast. 
all of those hosts appear in the film The Disaster Artist, which is kind of like a weird twist of fate. But but do you remember kind of them touching on that at all, Stevie? It seems to be a weird a weird going on. Yeah, so if you listen um, to How Did This Get Made, some 2011 like first year podcast, they have Greg, the actual Greg Sisteros um, on Seems that. like an asshole in that podcast. Uh, he seemed real defensive about this movie. Well, yeah, I'm sure he was really defensive, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like hyper defensive, but he kind of touched on like they kept asking like where did he get this money? Where did they get his, get this money? And he says, oh well, he would just call his ESL teacher and she would like give him the money. And he was like, anytime like you know we'd run into like production halls or we need more money, he would just call his ESL teacher. Which it gets even crazier than that, doesn't it, Pap? It really. It's does more because- so than just having a benefactor. <laughs> Yeah, because so there's this big mystery that's presented in the disaster artist. Like, how did Tommy Wiseau come come to have all of this money? And, and there's even one scene where the Seth Rogen character, who as I flip my notes over, is playing Sandy Sheckler, who was the uh, script supervisor, who now claims that he directed this film. But we, we can get into that in a second. But he goes to cash this check, and the bank teller is like, "Bottomless pit of a bank account," which. <laughs> doesn't seem to hold water. It's true that it seems that, that Tommy Wiseau had money, but he's also gotten sued a shit ton. Like before the room and everything, there there are tons of of court cases documenting Tommy Wiseau being sued by by contractors, including executive producer of the film Chloe Litsky. So she and her husband Fred sued Tommy Wiseau in 2012 for for services not rendered. Um, this is before the room turned to profit and they both died, I think, before that lawsuit came Ooh. to fruition. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Was she, was she the one who was providing the money? Why was he talking to this wheel-bound, wheelchair-bound ESL teacher. Uh, and then just to touch on Drew Chaffee, too. He is he is the other mystery person of the film. No one knows what his involvement was at all. He died in 1999. The oh, my God. was released in 2003, <laughs> and he's listed as an executive producer. So what some, some, some speculate, Mikey, that that, that was uh, his former lover. And, and the last thing, Mikey, I want to talk about, I know you've seen The Disaster Artist. Do you buy the narrative of a of a jealous or stilted lover who who is in love with Greg, that being uh, Tommy. Uh, and that's kind of like the basis. It's kind of like what the disaster artist asserts, right? That, that, that Tommy was in love with Greg. Uh, yeah, it does uh, kind of assume that. Uh, but he's never, like, come out and said that, right? He's denied that or he's never said anything about it. Tommy doesn't say shit. Tommy keeps his mouth closed. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't rewatch The Disaster Artist for this, but you get some weird vibes just from, uh, The Room, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, like, there's some jealousy. Because, you know, there's no script. They're just, like, ad-libbing <laughs> what's going on. He's just, like, I'm pretty sure he's just ad-libbing stuff reflecting in his life at the time. Because, I don't know, it's just a really weird movie. There's no <laughs> plot, really. There's zero plot. And that's the struggle that I've had. I don't think we've ever started a spoilers with just like splooging all of our facts at once like <laughs> that. But like, there's, it's so hard to talk about this movie that I, I really didn't know what to say. So I just want to like touch on a few high level scenes and characters. Well, Pat, let you guys fill it in. There's not all of the suing was incoming for Tommy was out, right? Didn't he sue other people? And isn't that kind of like, possibly a darker tale where he 
actually got brain damage, and that's kind of what we see on film. Yeah, so it, it, for a fact, he was in a couple of, of really bad car accidents, and some speculate that's where his weird uh, personality came from, um, which <sighs> might also contribute to how he came about some of his money. It is also true that he does own some real estate in San Francisco, which pretty much at this point, no matter what, if you own real estate in San yeah. Francisco, you're going to be doing pretty well. Um, but uh, interesting that you brought that up, Josh, that I, I think that... like. Tommy Wiseau and Greg and that Sandy guy are just a bunch of assholes and they've all like sued and countersued each other. They've all written books. Like every, there's so many conf- conflicting stories. There's so many conflicting reports. You listen to like three different podcasts and there are three different stories about like how this got made. So it's, it's anything we say, just take with a grain of salt. There's a lot up in the air and please don't sue us, uh, Mr. Wiseau for saying you were brain damaged in a car accident, but let's. <laughs> Let's transition into the film. Is that Let's, something that can happen? <laughs> I I don't know. If he can remember it, <laughs> then maybe. Oh, jeez. Uh, the film takes place in San Francisco, home of some of the greatest movies ever made. 13 Zodiac. consecutive fade-outs of a shot from San Francisco. And it's used like a sitcom uses to like, oh my like God. cut in between, like to show the passage of time even in one party. It's absolutely ridiculous. Dude, was there a shot, like the exact shot from Full House opening credits? Uh, like, at one point, they showed the, the house row. Yeah, of the right, Full House. Right, and they were on like the grass that I swear they were on in the opening credits, but uh, who knows? Was this, yeah, yeah, was this music from. Was this music from Legend of Zelda? Yeah, the music. music Get to the music, I'd imagine. The music from Legend of Zelda is way better, but but Mikey, we've we've talked around Tommy Wiseau, the human. Could you talk to us about who Johnny (laughs) is, the character? Give us Johnny, Mikey. (laughs) Human with an asterisk. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know why you guys keep calling it a film. It's definitely just a YouTube video. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, there's like hardly any context, but uh, we just get John. This is the first scene. You want to go to the first scene? Is that? Yeah, let's go there. Uh, oh, first scene uh, is just uh, his girlfriend uh, sitting on the couch. Uh, her name is Lisa, and in walks Tommy, and he's just like, "Hey, babe." No context. Hi, babe. I have something for you. What is it? Just a little something. <laughs> He's just hiding something from his girlfriend, Lisa, and it's uh, a gift for her, and it's awkward the whole time. I mean, it, <laughs> I wish we could splice in all of the dialogue to the movies just so you could get a taste <laughs> of uh, what what he's saying or how he's acting, but uh, you can tell that there's like absolutely no chemistry between these two people. <laughs> and one of the things we should also say is it's, it's ADR'd like a Godzilla movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's even yeah. Brittany noticed that. She's like, "This scene, the uh, like my favorite scene is the flower shop." Oh, that's my favorite and scene. It, let's, let's go right there, Brett. Tell us about what okay. happens in the flower shop. Hi, doggy. Well, first of all, that's like okay. I guess we'll get to the audio. It, Come back. <laughs> this is I don't know. It's like the funniest scene in the movie. I, it's my favorite scene in, of the movie <laughs> by far. He comes in, in to any get movie. flowers. She goes, oh, Johnny, I didn't recognize you. And he gets it and then he goes, hi, doggy. <laughs> then she goes, you're my favorite customer. And he goes, thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs> and like all dubbed, right? Like none of that was real audio, right? 
Yeah, because they're not having a. They're not even talking to each other. They're not right. It's my thought. <laughs> their context towards each other is not even making any sense. Mm-hmm. And it's it's in between two sex scenes, and we'll talk about those characters later. But 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 Josh, I know you, you care about themes more than the the writers of Game of Thrones do. Like Ugh. it feels like Tommy. In both the flower shop scene and in that opening scene, he is trying to portray, or excuse me, Johnny, is the perfect husband, lover, man, and then it's just setting up for like the world to just be cruel to him. Do you, do you kind of get that little, like, this is how Tommy sees the world vibe? Uh, I think Ben Affleck called Bruce Willis's character in Armageddon a real salt of the earth kind of guy. <laughs> and that's exactly what Tommy Wiseau is. He's Bath salts of the earth guy. <laughs> yeah, wow. And you just get the feeling that Tommy in real life is this awkward and thinks that everyone is like in love with him and he, it's bad. Like Brett hit on it when he's like bad. editing the movie. And he's like, mm, I don't think that cash register lady liked me enough. Let's ADN our ADR yeah. in this line. You're my favorite customer. <laughs> <laughs> You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. I think you could make an argument. He's one of the only, if not the only, like, good, like, legit good character in the whole movie. The rest of them are pretty... I mean, we'll get to the girl, hopefully. I mean, the girl yeah. is a legit villain. Let's, oh, let's get to her now. Her, her, let's go ahead. Her name's Lisa, and I want to kind of package her mom in Claudette because because like that's her confidant. And that's how we learn a lot about Lisa. But Brett, why don't you explain to the audience what Lisa? You said she's a real villain. She's basically Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind, but even worse. <laughs> yeah, she is. I mean, at first, like, for the first scene, you're like, "Oh, this is cool. It's like a typical couple. He buys her something. They go." He has sex with her belly button, and then there was nothing cool about that first scene. No, I don't mean cool. I just meant like she seems little like a normal... Denny's like, oh, can I come? Watch? <laughs> no, that's we'll get to Denny. Denny's creepy. Oh, squeak, but... squeak, <laughs> squeak, Scalari. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, she's just okay. So she doesn't love him. I don't know if you guys caught that that she doesn't love Tommy anymore, Johnny. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. She only said it like 20 or 30 times. She doesn't love him anymore. <laughs> only oh, after he boring. wouldn't talk to her after having sex with her. Yeah, that, that's kind of like what they show. Like, I didn't even like notice that until you mentioned it. Like, she's like, oh, I wanted to talk. I guess I'll just cuddle. And I thought, I was thinking, oh, well, they do love each other. And then like the next scene, like out of the blue, she's talking to the no, mom. No, that's just how no? hard you guys are trying to look for some sort of motivation. There's nothing no, on no, no. screen. I don't, I don't think that's what it is. I'm just saying... It almost looks like they, they kind of made it like that. But no, she's definitely evil. She claims that he hit her when she didn't. She fakes a pregnancy. She's banging his best friend. Oh, yeah, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the dumbest thing of all time is, like, she's making out with a guy she's having an affair with in the middle of a party. It's yeah. just crazy. She's, like, a, like, I think she's, like, a legit villain in the movie. She's, like, the villain, and she's a terrible terrible person josh is this villain iconic to you (laughs) (laughs) everyone has a right to choose everyone's changing i don't know if you knew that money (laughs) yeah lisa and and if you actually there's a lot of great interviews with the actress who played uh claudette i want to actually if i have her name on here 
Carolyn Min- Minot. She is the most delightful woman you could ever want to like listen mm-hmm. to an interview. And she's just so happy to have the opportunity and so happy that all of the fame that has brought her. And she's like, yeah, Tommy was a lot nicer to me than everyone else. I guess it's because I was clearly older than him is what she said. <laughs> in one of the interviews. <laughs> Which is pretty hilarious. But yeah, if you're trying to do a wormhole, she's a really, or a room hole. That's a, that's a good person to look up interviews on. But, but Stevie, you touched on it earlier. What the fuck is going on with Denny? Not Danny. D-E-N-N-Y. Like I Denny. thought it was Danny, and then it was Denny, and then it was Danny, Denny. and it was Denny. It made zero <laughs> sense. But, okay. So, this is a real, like, Tom Hagen-type, Godfather-type backstory that Denny has. Um, Tommy found him abandoned in one of the apartment uh, apartments in his building... And then decided to pay rent for him until he went to college? Am I doing that it right? Pay for, he pays for his college, too. Apparently, Tommy has also said that Denny has some sort of uh, special needs or something. And he's also um, hooked on the crack, I imagine. That's what Chris R. <laughs> wanted to throw him off a building for. So, yeah, that's Denny in a nutshell. We also get some context that Tommy is a slumlord. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, had you seen The Room before this podcast? No. <laughs> what was your reaction to Denny saying, can I watch? Like, where, what, what what, were you in that moment when you heard that? I thought at that that's pretty early in the movie. So I thought yeah. that was part oh, of yeah. like the early <laughs> schluckiness. <laughs> I think it was like the third or fourth sex scene that I kind of flipped. But I don't know. I was still in a good mood at that point, And I kind of chuckled a bit. At and that at that point, I couldn't help but wonder, like, if Denny, he had I watched before. All, he had certainly watched before. I think he wanted to be called just Den. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't I don't like dropping rumors from this guy, and I talked about Sandy Schickler. I I hope I'm pronouncing his name wrong. The Seth Rogen character in uh, the Disaster Artist. He. I, I listened to too many interview, interviews from him. He's a giant douchebag. He he now claims that he directed the room, which may be true, but he also has like just nothing but terrible things to say about pretty much everybody involved. Um, he claims that there was a lot more um, weird, creepy child love vibes, and that that Denny thing is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Then he held everybody back. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that's I guess for the audience to decide. But we've. We spot, we talked about the disaster artist. We've talked around this character. Uh, Brett, what's going on with Greg Sisteros, aka? Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> uh, he seems like a pretty normal, nice guy at first. He's best friends with Johnny, even though that, I just never really got that. They didn't seem like they meshed that well. Well, and- well, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but like to watch the disaster artist, it implies that like, they are best friends. And Tommy oh, yeah, Wiseau went on actual, to direct a movie called The actual called guy, best I'm friends. sorry, the actual yeah. guy. Well, no, uh, both, yeah, both, um, both, yeah, but... They they meet, and in, in disaster artists, they meet in an acting class, and the Greg gets, like, the bug of acting, and they decide to move to L.A., and they move in together, and they become fast friends, and... And he has like, luscious facial hair. Mm-hmm. At 19 years old. Pretty impressive. He doesn't look 19. Yeah. No, he looks definitely older. Uh... Denny's, if, if he was 19, then Denny, uh, I think Denny was like 25. So, mm-hmm. so, I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of the story with that. That's how bitch. they met. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
or squeaks. <laughs> but you, you touched on it there. They, they were close friends. And then the disaster artist kind of implies that, that Greg had more early success than Tommy. Yeah. And Tommy was very jealous of that early success. And so, Stevie, how does that translate to to uh, to Mark's character on the screen? How does Tommy treat Mark? Or moreover, how does Mark treat Johnny? Okay, so you know like the story behind the original Mark that was casted, right? Go for it. Tell us. Okay, so the way it worked on Tommy um, – well, let me put it this way. Greg Sestero was like a big um, – he was kind of like a casting producer on this movie. He was in charge of like getting the cast involved and – really going through who was going to be hired and whatnot. Tommy wanted two people hired for each role. And so what happened was Greg wasn't hired for Mark until the day before shooting. And Tommy didn't tell the original Mark that he had been replaced until four weeks into shooting. Oof. So what Tommy was doing was he was fake shooting <laughs> real Mark. <laughs> And uh, he was fake shooting the original Mark, like telling him, like, okay, go, like saying cut and thinking he had been in the movie for four weeks. <laughs> that seemed like a waste of money. Yeah, because like um, also no, like – this movie didn't waste any money. That's how you get to exactly. a $6 million budget, Brett. Yeah. Well, they, didn't, they didn't give water or air conditioning apparently. And Mark in, the, in this movie is treated like a real – like real villain. It's almost like Tommy's trying to make himself like so good, and Greg's. It, he's kind of like making Mark like the actual Greg. I don't know. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. And we've we've bounced around a lot. We're twenty five minutes into the podcast. And we've covered about eight minutes of film, but we're in our second <laughs> our second sex scene. So so Mark sleeps with Lisa immediately afterwards. He goes to Lisa and says, "Why did you do this <laughs> to her?" Like he puts all of the responsibility on her. Like like. It's just such a weird to be message fair, to send. He tried his best to tell her no. I mean, she just didn't care about the no. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I guess. But he he, he seems to go along with it. That's not his best. <laughs> he told Come her on. no like three times. Oh, if no, those roles were reversed, no, no. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I guess no doesn't mean. I guess no doesn't mean no if you're a woman. She was a stronger influencer, yeah, maybe, but I don't buy that he tried his best. If that's his best, it's well. The whole bad. point of the movie they they show that she's really, really manipulative, which she is. He called her babe mm-hmm. right when she called him for the first no, time. Okay, that Greg thought that was up. weird. I said that to, I said that to Brittany. I go, well, she called him babe, but then I was like, oh, they're already sleeping together, and then I was super surprised to find out that they hadn't even like flirted really together, like. I thought that was really weird. Well, there's a hilarious line, too, when he first comes over. He's like, the candles, the sexy dress, the music. What's going what? on here? What What's going on here? <laughs> he says so strangely. Like, but but there's a there's a linchpin to this movie. I mean, we've established the players, and now it can really get rolling. Uh, Tommy doesn't get the promotion. Like we mentioned, that, that, that Lisa seems to be kind of a gold digger figure in his life who, who's having an affair with his best friend. He doesn't get the promotion. And so Lisa decides to get him drunk. And Mikey, why does she want to get him drunk? What is, what is she trying to establish? Uh, she just wants to get him drunk enough uh, to make him make a mistake. And she wants to make this claim that uh, he hit her, I think is kind of uh, her end goal here. So she has a, 
a way to get out of this relationship where she's being treated with uh, respect and <laughs> she's getting everything taken care of for her. I don't understand. <laughs> really. He goes on to say he did not hit her. He did not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that is also out of context. We don't even see the fight that takes place. Uh, we just get Tommy uh, going up to the roof to what complain to Mark, who happens to be on the roof. Everybody does. Everybody live in this one building on the roof. Let's get to the roof scene, Stevie. Do you have a favorite moment on the roof? It's real weird, but it's when it's like a five minutes like throwdown scene where. Um, Chris R goes after Denny. <laughs> the best actor in the movie, no Zac sense. Efron, and the disaster artist. The only person who can act in the whole fucking movie is Chris R. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Chris R pulls a gun on Denny, asking where his money is. And then after a whole bunch of, give me five minutes. I don't know. Give me five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> you five minutes go downstairs and get your money. You have no family. What's going on here? They're going to helicopter it in like to the roof. <laughs> and so that's when Mark and um, Tommy show up and whisk Chris R away. And one of my favorite throwaway lines is when Tommy's like, let's go police. <laughs> <laughs> And then it builds from there. And so then Lisa and her mom are there. And they're like, yeah. Daddy, what's going on? Oh, jeez. There's a good three minutes of Denny going, I don't know. Denny, what's going on? I don't know. What drugs? I don't know. Who was Chris? I don't know. It's such a phenomenal, like, throwing down of the scene. And then it even gets so bad where Lisa's mom is like she's chastising Denny and I love the part where Lisa hugs him. You can definitely tell Denny loves this because his face is all up in Lisa's titties. It's hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, that roof scene is definitely my favorite roof scene. Let's take him to the police. Oh, fucking dead! Jimmy, are you okay? What did that man want from you? <laughs> nothing. Oh, that was not nothing. Tell me everything. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? I owe him some money. What kind of money? I owe him some money. What kind of money? Everything is okay. He's gone. Everything is not okay. Denny, that is a dangerous man. Claudette is so great in this movie. She's just berating him. It's like, I'm going to call the police. (laughs) I think, I mean, that's definitely the best scene, but don't sleep on the scene where Mark literally tries to murder Peter. And then, like, he's like, I'm sorry, man. And then they're, like, totally cool after that. Okay, so who the fuck is Peter? Let's explain. In case you haven't seen The Room, Brett, who, who is Peter? They switch. You don't know who Peter is? They establish oh, him I so know, well. Oh, no, I know who Peter is. I'm talking about the audience. I'm, jo- I'm joking. Yeah, he's their friend. He's a psychologist. He's actually, I don't know, maybe my favorite character in the movie, which isn't saying much, but he's, like, nice. <laughs> and he's the one that figures out, after looking at some pretty obvious body language, that uh, he kind of busts Mark out. Is it Mark? Yeah. Yeah, Mark out on oh, the hi, roof. Mark. He's like, you're sleeping with Lisa, aren't you? And he's like, Mark flips out and literally tries to throw Peter off the roof. Mm-hmm. And then he Peter gets away and then Mark's like, my bad, man. I'm sorry. Not cool. And Peter's bro. like, that, cool. that's cool, man. Then they start talking. There's like, two Peters, just tried though, to right? murder you. The, the, actually, the, the other character, the other Peter's name is Steven, but we'll talk about that once we get to the, the party. <laughs> Um, oh, it's my favorite. My one of my favorite uh, rooftop scenes is like 
Tommy is asking, or no, uh, Greg is asking Tommy if women cheat like men do, or if they <laughs> like cheating like men do. This is the and, best line, probably. And he tells us, he tells, Greg tells a story about a woman <laughs> who was sleeping with 12 guys, and one of them found out, and he, God, he beat her up real bad. <laughs> There's nothing. There's nothing funny about that. And Tommy, <laughs> Good story, Mark. Tommy was so scared he just starts cracking up and says, What a story. What a story, Mark. <laughs> what a story, Mark. Yeah, you can say that again. I feel like that, <laughs> coupled with Claudette, my favorite character, just having breast cancer out of the blue, like, and then it never comes back for any reason at all. She's like, I have breast cancer. Like, these, Josh, these are not. Like the the pedophilia with Denny, the the breast cancer, the domestic abuse. None of these are funny on paper, but but <laughs> why are they so funny in the context of this film? They're, they're funny, right? I'm not a horrible person, Josh, for laughing at these, right? I mean, I'm not going to vouch for you not being a ho- horrible person overall. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. For for like in the context scenes, of this, yeah. <laughs> no, and like. There's even a like a coffee scene that like Brett said you shouldn't sleep on. It's just one continuous shot for like 45 seconds while Mark and Johnny are ordering their coffee and it's so mundane, but you get the feeling that like in the writers room Tommy just thought or yeah, Tommy just thought he was like Quentin Tarantino with this dialogue. It's like I'll have a medium I have a medium too. <laughs> no, but not only that, like it was either it was either honest trailers or cinema sins. Like they point out the fact that you sitting there watching random strangers order too. Like you watch four different people who you don't know order their stuff before Tommy. It's just so weird. Like usually, you know, uh, Johnny and Mark will be having a conversation um and you're focused on that and the people are kind of ordering in the background, but nope, they're just sitting back there waiting in line while other people order food and drinks. It's just it's just crazy. Uh, Pappy, is it just funny in hindsight, though? Because, like, the experience of watching the movie is pretty frustrating when they don't go back and answer a lot of those questions. Like, Denny, Denny's, like, drug habit never really gets answered. <laughs> it comes full circle. <laughs> like, I've seen The Room now too many times. Five plus times. Maybe closer to a dozen times than it's to five, actually. But the... The thing is, is like, it's amazing how much chaos of the film that you forget. Like, like the detail, like, like we kind of talked about your favorite in theater experiences. If you see this at a midnight showing, they throw spoons at the screen because all of the, the frames, all of the pictures, instead of having like pictures of his family or pictures of Lisa in his house, Johnny has pictures of, of utensils in his (laughs) house, like framed. And it's just such a weird. Yeah, we'll go back and watch Mike. He has yep. pictures of spoons in his house rather than like his family. It's just such a bizarre <laughs> choice. It makes no sense. And perhaps perhaps it lends some credence to the fact that that Sandy guy, Seth Rogen, directed the movie and was kind of like half shitting on it while he was doing it. But it's it's really, truly a mystery. Um, I do want to talk about one part, though. Did anybody else catch this? Um, I forget who it is. It's, it's like I think it's the guy's... Like I think it's Denny and Greg talking to Tommy, and they ask like how she how he met Lisa, and like, Ugh. do you remember that dialogue, Brett? Like that monologue he has. I just remember saying they've been together for seven years and nobody knows how they met. Yeah, he met her 
at a hotel or something. It was like the most boring story ever. Well, he talks about like they went on like on a date and that she paid for dinner and he had no uh, money. Like he showed up to this, he showed up with like like twenty dollars in his pocket or something. And like, did anybody else pick up on this? It's like the most true moment of the film. It feels like Tommy Wiseau's literally like telling his story. Did anybody else catch that? I could see it now looking back at. It. I probably didn't at the time. It's this just- might have been where I was taking a little nap during the movie. <laughs> uh, well, Mikey, were you taking a nap during the tuck scene? Do you remember the that tuck at scene? all? No, I don't remember the tuck oh, scene. Oh, my gosh. Does anybody, Stevie, you got Can we me? go throw a football? What What the fuck is happening in that scene? They must be trying on tuck. Is someone getting cause... married? Oh, I remember in the yeah. parking lot. Yeah. It's also, I think, probably the truest part of the movie, too. I think this is, what's that dude's name? Peter? Yeah. yeah. Who's the one that Eat falls? Shit. I think this is the truest part of the film. It's when he falls and everyone's go like runs over to go get him and he goes, Okay, I'm done. I'm pretty sure that's the last time he's in this movie. <laughs> I think there's a throwaway line saying they're getting their wedding pictures taken, and that's where they're going to throw a football. And cheep, we see Mark It's the noise of the chickens. We see Mark shaved. Um there's one more major scene that I want to touch on, and we'll just open this the fuck up. But, uh, Mikey, do you remember the party? Do you remember anything that happens at the party? Uh, yeah. Uh, again, it's basically fever dream context. A lot of weird David Lynchian <laughs> dialogue, uh, with no interconnecting story, uh, to progress it further. It's all just kind of weird stuff <laughs> happening, weird dialogue. Um, and then Lisa suggests that everybody uh, goes outside for fresh air. And she happens to round up literally everybody, including Tommy, to go outside. So Corners Mark bizarre. Uh, to stay inside, where I guess she was planning to have sex with them on the couch and possibly Oh my god, she's caught. so stupid. Playing into fellation. The psychiatrist guy uh, ends up catching them, right? Or is it just no, this is the best part. Like the random, a random guy you have not seen one time comes <laughs> That's in. Peter too. It's Steven. I Where's that was Chris, Chris R? R? Where's Chris R? Where's Denny? <laughs> so yeah, Peter did have to leave the project, and so they hired the Steven guy to just basically read that character's lines as a brand new character. Is that Peter really what too? Yeah. yeah. Oh that's, man, that's I really did not know that. Yeah. That makes so much more sense. But he's he's basically like chastising Lisa, like you can't do this, Lisa. You can't be making out with someone. But for the audience, it has no weight because it's like, who the fuck is this dude talking? <laughs> <laughs> you play character Steven. And, and we talked about this with Stevie earlier. There's there's a fight, and then there's a shot of San Francisco, and it immediately cuts back to another new fight between Greg <laughs> and Tommy. It's bizarrely edited, but but the, the whole weight of the situation crashes down around Johnny. Josh, not only does he realize that his future wife is cheating on him, she's cheating on him with his best friend and everybody in his life knows. And, and Josh, how does our, the, the great protagonist Johnny cope with this, this knowledge? Everybody betrayed me. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny falls apart. Uh, 
if this movie has any redeeming quality, it's probably this. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you watch Home Alone and you finally get to the end part where uh, Kevin McAllister is pulling all the tricks. Yeah. And Tommy Wiseau is just going around, smashing up his whole apartment. At one point, he has like a three-angled throw of a TV out a window. Like three separate camera angles, including street view of it hitting the ground. The TV, which is facing the wrong way from all of their furniture and every shot of the room. No one can watch the TV the way it's pointed. It's pointed towards the audience, and all the furniture is pointed towards the audience, too. It makes no sense. It's not over. Everybody betrayed me. I fed up with this world. I think him pulling out the drawers was like the funniest part for me during that. It looked so (laughs) unnatural. He pulls two out like he was hesitant to do it, and then he just pushes the whole dresser over i don't know why i thought that was really funny he literally tried to put like all the best parts in this movie because there's also like flashbacks to um freaking lisa being topless earlier yeah he's saying no a lot he's like ripping up the red dress and then pappy it gets real he grabs a gun out of a little chest and he really wastes very little time i mean of all the scenes they dragged out in this movie I think he shoots himself within like ten seconds of grabbing the gun. By the way, he wasn't. He was doing a little more than ripping up that red dress. Yeah, I, 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 I heard. I heard that the script the script literally reads, "He pleasures himself with Lisa's dress." That's literally <laughs> the direction that he was given. Um, but it's a it's an old saying in in storytelling and screenwriting: Chekhov's gun. You know, to to show the gun in the first act that has that comes in the third act and literally the easiest thing in the fucking world would have been to make that chris r's fucking gun and it would have made all of the sense in the world and would have been a great like a decent plot point but no it's just a random gun that he owns yeah. that we've never seen before and he kills himself and one of my favorite details is his as, as as the camera's pulling up on tommy wiseau's body uh, and, and uh greg says he's not going to be with lisa anymore so so tommy really showed them you hear one of the neighbor goes, one of the neighbors says, I saw smoke. <laughs> <laughs> what? So was it originally going to be a fire and they forgot to change it or what? I have, I have no fucking idea. But it just makes no sense. Pappy, I, I think you just hit on the ultimate theme, though. Is he that showed them. This, yeah, this is like the incel fantasy. Like, you don't get the girl, you get cucked. And then you get revenge by offing yourself. Like, that's pretty ugly. Not, not only that, it's not his fault. He's the perfect gentleman. He's the perfect white knight. He's the perfect milady buying her flowers and buying her dresses. <laughs> and it's also ugly how medically inept Lisa was. I mean, Johnny's laying on the ground in a pool of blood <laughs> with dead? a gun next to his hand. Is he dead? Is he dead? <laughs> well, she's oh, in shock. His brain is Stevie. all over the wall. I don't think he's going yes, to make it. <laughs> <laughs> you killed him. You're the cause of all of this. I don't love you. <laughs> Get out of my life, you bitch! And that, my friends, is the room. Our, uh, there are so many details. Did we mention the bathroom line when he's locked himself away? Go for it. Oh, so good. Oh, dude. This is, I can't remember the exact line, but the way he delivers it is so priceless. This is after the whole affair and party's gone down. Everyone's mad at everybody. And Lisa's trying to get Johnny out of the bathroom. I know he calls her a bitch, but does he say in a few minutes? 
I think so. In a, uh, yeah, I have it right here. I think it's in a minute or something. Like in a minute, bitch. Like it's. <laughs> in a, in a, it says in a few in a few minutes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it caught me off guard because it was like not like he wasn't like that very often in the movie, and it kind of shows us how crazy he got. Oh, uh, but also the setting up of the recorder. Oh man, it's just such bad film. Like five minutes of him doing that. Sorry, Stevie. Go ahead. Oh no, you're good. Keep going. Well, I not, just say- not only not only Brett does he set up the recorder for five minutes, then it magically has enough tape to record yep. literally a couple of days later the exact dialogue he needs to indict Greg and uh, Lisa <laughs> on the affair. Uh, yeah, but it's surprising. Yes, yeah. Like Tommy's view of American cinema, really. It's like he had only seen deleted scenes his entire life and turned it into <laughs> one giant film. Uh-huh. Really, that's what it was. Well, maybe that's the only thing imported into whatever strange country he's from. I feel like he's got to be Scandinavian or something. Polish. It's, uh, he's born Stanley Weisker. Uh, we, the Reddit detectives have tracked him down. He was naturalized in New Orleans on May 17th, 1956. And uh, he's from Posan, Poland. So we know they know Poland, everything okay. about him pretty Pardon much at this point uh one of the other except for who that fucking drew guy is who gave him the money uh one of the other things that i, that I thought thought of was hilarious speaking of deleted scenes is we didn't even talk about mark or his uh his girlfriend uh what was her name michelle so mark and michelle are like just these teenage lovers who like to bang in the room in the apartment Wait, his name was mark too uh oh no not mark um uh, mike mike Mike, 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 yeah, Mike. Cross-eyed lovers. So, okay, chocolate is the symbol of love, Stevie. Do you you just give us a quick rundown (laughs) of Mike and what happens with him? (laughs) Okay, this is a really odd scene. This is the most memorable, like one of the more memorable parts of the movies. But for some odd reason, they have to show these teenage lovers, and she starts to be teenagers. I don't know. They're, they, they, Dude, they're supposed to be doing homework, and they're banging in someone else's house. Oh yeah, like, someone yeah. else's house, and that hairstyle, man, that's some dated hair. It's got <laughs> the frosted, the frosted, frosted tips. tips. I mean, this is real bad. But um, she like starts to venture down south of the Belt region, and the face he gives is so odd and so early. unrealistic. I can't. Even, yeah, she's like at the belly button. He starts giving a look of. How do you, why would you describe the look, Pap? I can't even describe it. It's cross-eyed and up, and I think it's, I, I truly think that was meant to be comedy, right? Like, there's no way. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, could you imagine Kermit the Frog making a weird face? <laughs> <laughs> Kermit the Frog getting a BJ. Yeah, but the reason I say this is one of my final thoughts and one of my favorite parts of the movie is like, he recounts this whole scene in a later scene in the movie, he retells this whole story to Tommy later. He's like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, he doesn't... What a story. <laughs> it's... It calls it a tragedy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a tra- I've never seen a movie where someone beat for beat describes this, an earlier scene in the movie for no apparent reason at all. Um, any other any other details that, that, that you guys liked? Um, and it's not even to... like it's later in the movie to describe it. It's like, you're right, Pap. It's literally the... The next scene. 
minutes later, it's like, yeah. Minutes later, just, yeah. And, and like, you think it's going to be a different story. You're like, wait, I just saw that? And there's no <laughs> outcome I, from it. I think I would have enjoyed an hour and a half long movie of Mark and Johnny running and throwing the football to each other. That was like the, oh, yeah. the funniest when they're out there just running around throwing the football. First of all, what's the longest football pass thrown in the movie when the guy falls at like 20 feet? The rest <laughs> of them are all like four feet tall. That's like not fun. That's not fun for anybody. You could see it was just they love their football. killing Mark inside the real actor throwing this football with this guy who knew nothing <laughs> about the sport of football. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of my favorite parts of the movie, Pap, is well, one of the most memorable are the ADR over all the sex scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, like, like the Mark uh. and yeah, Mark and Johnny, like, oh, I love you, baby. <laughs> like, oh yeah, <laughs> they really like went through the trouble of dozens of phrases like that. It's for multiple I, actors, I, at least like three. <laughs> Greg Sestero kind of talked on the How Did This Get Made podcast about how Tommy would ADR over perfectly delivered um, lines to make it sound even more American than when he originally delivered them. Real Hollywood movie. And yeah, just make real Hollywood movie. And um, it it would end up sounding worse a lot of the time. That's what Greg said, at least. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it was like the first, second, or third song, like during one of the sex scenes. And Brittany looked over at me and she goes, When was this made? And I knew exactly why she was asking. I go, I think it was like 2000, early 2000s. I go, You're asking because it sounds like it's straight 1995 R&B, right? She's like, Yeah, what's with this music? It's like sounds like Boys TLC's. Well, yeah, it's just. Oh my god! It's. I don't know. I, I'm speechless. I mean, I can't say I'm speechless. I haven't shut up since it started. But this movie is just crazy. It does weird things to me. It's what he could afford is the music we played. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, it's. There's so much more we could talk about. The green screen on the roof when they had access to a roof and they had access to a studio. There, there's so many details, many of them outlined in the disaster artist. But I think it's time for good old fashioned yes or no. Let's go to the order of trivia, the order of most recent to least recent host. Uh, Stevie, what do you give this on the yes or no rating scale? Oh, man. This is really hard <laughs> because it's almost like. The story behind the movie is 1,000 times better than the actual movie itself. (sighs) Alright, I'm going to give this a no. And I'll say I'd rather watch Brie Larson's Room than watch this movie again. (laughs) Sure, I, Simon, would love that. That's a good movie, though. That's a one-off, though. That movie's painful to watch. It is very painful. Very sad. I cried on a plane watching that movie. Josh, you next. I watched this movie over the weekend when I was staying at a lake house with like four other couples. And wow, uh, it's pretty late. So most people were in bed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it kind of got weird because I'm watching this movie alone. Think it's going to be a schlucky, poorly delivered 
B-movie classic. And it's just sex scene after sex scene. And I was getting pretty <laughs> uncomfortable. And, like, I wanted to finish this movie for spoilers. It was just a bad situation. Um, I honestly don't think there's anything truly redeeming about this movie. There's a few laughs, but not worth the expense of an hour and a half. I think you can go on YouTube and watch all the funny clips. Like, I think you should watch the flower shop clip if you haven't seen this movie and just kind of leave it at that. Um, I'm so mad at Mikey because my big line I was going to end with was, I don't think this is a film. This, to me, this is just a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> he stole that like right away in the pod. So huge no for me. I don't see myself ever watching huge disaster no. artists either. No, I, I, James Franco is like creepy as hell too. Like this is just a downward spiral. I'm ready to be uninvolved with after this pod. It was very interesting. I'll, 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 I'll let Brett go in a second, but James Franco was not won the Golden Globe and was not nominated for an Oscar. This was in 2017 at the height of Me Too. That's when a bunch yep. of like weird for stuff. Sure. It was, I think it was his was like, I, I don't want to, I think it was like DMs like on Instagram to girls who were underage, but like it didn't really come mm. up much. Um, I don't, again, yeah. I don't want to touch that, Brett, especially with you for sure. Why well, just give us your yes or no and what, what your final thoughts here? Um, I mean, I think we've said a lot of like the really bad quotes in this movie. Like this is a really like well, not well known, underrated one. But I think it kind of sums up the script. Like Lisa says, "Did you get your promotion?" And Johnny says, "Nah." She goes, "You didn't get it, did you?" Like, <laughs> like I wonder who reads that or writes that and thinks that makes sense. I, I can, you can, I guess you can blame the language barrier, but. You know, I get a lot of crap for always saying yes for movies, um, but I got the results of the test back. I'm definitely going to give this a no. And uh, robot. <laughs> oh, baby. So uh, you can just uh, leave your stupid comments in your pocket. And anyway, how's your sex life? I'm done. Mikey? Um, I'll... Give some criteria for how I, I grade these Ooh, a peek behind movies. the money curtain. One, is it around 90 minutes? <laughs> this movie accomplishes that. Two, <laughs> does it make me laugh? Check. This movie accomplishes that. Check. Um, Bags. What else is another I guess. Bags. No. Bags. <laughs> uh, it's just... It, and, and how much do I got to pay to watch it? And it was free. It's on YouTube. Um, check. So it crosses off a lot of check marks. Uh, if you just want to go out there and watch it, and, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe have a couple beers uh, and watch it with your friends or something. I'm sure it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, so I'll give it a yes, just for the one time watch, just to say that you watch it. I'm sure it's way more fun to watch with friends. I watched it by myself, and it was kind of painful to watch so i don't think i could ever watch it again without some friends uh because it's a truly awful movie but I, I give it a yes i see that totally i think you get with a group of people and maybe get drunk and watch it and have like an amazing time just like young guns <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's, it's nothing like young guns and, and for me you guys are crazy this is a hard yes if there's ever been a movie <laughs> That's so bad. It's good. This is 
this is the perfect negative 10. I've discussed the, the parabola of, of a negative 10 and a 10 being at the same uh, latitude uh, on the scale. But like, it, it cracks me up. The one thing that I would caution against is, like I said, I went down a room hole of research and it it's ugly. It's Tommy Wiseau is like kind of abusive and terrible to the women like Greg, Greg and that director guy and Tommy, they're all like pieces of shit. And like, I don't, I don't want to take in any more media. Like fuck the disaster artist. It's, it's completely, it seems to be untrue, like incongruent to like everything else that I've researched. Like I just want to enjoy this deconstruction of like what a film even is like that breaks down the basic language of film and tears it apart. Like it has everything I've ever talked about, like has like weird music, check funny accents, check Uh, a universe universe in which we (laughs) cannot possibly predict what will come next. Check. That's what you need for a movie. That's so bad. It's good. It, It is gratuitous in the sex scenes and that, kind of keeps at you from watching it with like a more conservative family member or your mom or something. But for me, this is the definition, the epitome, the apex, if you will, of so bad. It's good. A hard, hard yes. So that is two yeses, three no's. Um, Brett, what food does this make this tonight? Uh, a dozen I'm trying to think of this any yeah, <laughs> scotch and whiskey know. mixed I in one the, glass. I ordered the pizza. Do whatever you want. I already ordered it. You think of everything. You think, you think of it's everything. It's definitely pizza. Got to be or half rose. Hawaiian, one half Hawaiian, uh, what Parmesan prosciutto or whatever god awful <laughs> pesto, pesto. Yeah. <laughs> pizza she ordered. Great call. All right, you guys ready for some trivia? Yeah, real quick, yeah, Stevie. Yeah. I got. Brittany said that this was better than. Uh, Vision Quest, and that Vision Quest is the worst movie she's ever seen. So, wow. I'm trying to talk her out of it. She hates that movie so bad. So, what sorry does she about have that. against that movie? I, I told I me mean, it. To be fair, it's kind of a guy movie. Well, to be fair, Brittany's not on the podcast, and that seems to be, you know, for a reason. If she doesn't like Vision Quest, but <laughs> speaking of guys, the order of guys is Stevie with Vision Quest. Yeah, yeah. Josh with Darjeeling Limited, Brett what with up? Seven, and Mikey with uh, Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. So I was going to get way more Jones. intricate with this trivia, but like I said, I went down a room hall, so it's going to be the most basic, closest to you can possibly have. And it's actually related to the movie, which is very unusual for our trivia, but we're going to take the number of Ohays times the number of Oh, highs times <laughs> the number of times Tommy Wiseau's name appears in the opening credits. Good old fashioned closest to uh, no prices right. Starting with Stevie. Oh, highs times oh, highs times the number of times <laughs> Tommy Wiseau's name appears in the opening credits. Okay. Um. I'll go with... Hold on one second and see. I'll go with 560. 60? Josh, you're up next. Take... 160. Okay. Uh, Brett, you're up next. That last, that last one was a multiplication as well, right? Times and times? Yep. 
Oh, hey, okay. times oh, highs, times number of times, timing wise. To the power things. of. Can I get uh, first one, bread? Can I get one clarification? You no. you got the exact amount that Rogue One made on Vision Quest, and you still complain. So no, you may not get a clarification. Okay, I just wonder if he had to say oh, but okay. Um. <laughs> God. That really made me mad because I beat you fair straight up on that, and you got the number of you just said. Did Rogue One make less than two billion? And Stevie said, "Yeah." And I almost flipped over my fucking table when he said, "Yeah." I was so pissed. I admitted that you won. I just said that Stevie's comment we didn't need make a guess. Any sense. We need a guess. Um, one thousand eighty. Woo! Eighty. All right, Mikey. Um, I'll go three fifty. Holy shnikes, boys! This is requiring math. Oh no! <laughs> Top men. This is gonna come down to oh my goodness! It's a tie. Mikey was off by one hundred and one. Ooh, I'm out. Josh was off by. Let's go! Eighty-nine. Yeah. Josh is the winner. The yeah. true number is two forty-nine. There were seven or six Ohays. There were seven Ohays, and Tommy Wiseau's name appears seven <laughs> fucking times in the opening credits, resulting in two forty-nine. Josh, it's your movie to pick, but first let's throw it to Spoiler Man for some plugs. Spoiler Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is Podcast Spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. And we're back. Uh, thank you, Spoiler Man. Josh, what will be our movie next weekish? Uh, I wanted to pick a movie that uh, was recommended to me by a good friend. Um, I don't think we'll have him on the pod or anything, but shout out to him. Uh, it's the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. Uh, it goes all the way back to... Oh, oh Wu-Tang movie? 1978. Yep. So, I don't know if you guys have seen this one. It's definitely not Wu-Tang, but... Isn't the farmer bro on Dude, the movie? Wu-Tang clan based their whole persona and everything off these movies, so... So, is it a Kung Fu movie? Yeah, it's an old Kung Fu movie, I think. Josh, so is it Kung Fu, Josh? <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, guys. Oh yeah, boys. Still not gonna do Godzilla, huh? Just... Still. Will you guys not <laughs> let go? I mean, how do you even know about that? It's your avatar. <laughs> we'll get you someday. Thirty-six, thirty-sixth chamber of Shaolin. The thirty-sixth chamber of Shaolin. The thirty-sixth chamber of Shaolin. That was the room, and that also was spoilers. Oh, hi, Spoiler Man. Oh, hi. Wow, back-to-back Josh. Hold on, give me a second. (laughs) Josh is scrambling to find a movie. Stevie, I put that bathroom quote on Mm. the the thread. It's so funny. (laughs) I just know I have breast cancer. (laughs) We got the test results back. back. Definitely breast cancer. 
<laughs> I got the results to test back. I definitely have breast cancer. It's not funny, <laughs> but it is. I made well, a folder, her, by the her way. lack of a reaction My man. is so visceral. It's like she almost hates her mother, too. <laughs> <laughs> room. It's not room. Yeah, but I was trying to do it really quietly because I typed once when we were on the pod. You guys were like, what are you doing? That's so loud. So thank you for changing it. Do you remember yeah, that time yeah. you were making popcorn? I wasn't making popcorn. My wife was cooking <laughs> hey, <laughs> with <laughs> aluminum foil. And, and it wasn't popcorn. It was definitely foil. She and Brett thought had it was a, a good carry idea in. to pod in the kitchen. <laughs> That's where I used to pod, man, until we got the uh, grandfather clock. And that just kind of <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. kind of ruined it. Man, Mikey was so close. I thought he had it there. I was what, like, I do not know which gets? is closer. 160. Uh. 350, and the answer was 249. Oh, oh my God. My math was 15 times 12 times 6, so I was good they're, close they're on the, the names. They're way less than you think, but like if you yeah. think it's like 11 in a 90-minute movie, it's like, yeah, that sounds about right, actually. <laughs> you ready? I got my movie. Right. And we're back. That was spoilers.